Hi, my name is Margaret, and you have ventured your way into the beautiful Collision Podcast. I believe when the good and amazing, great parts of your life collide with the bad, messy, and hard parts of your life, they make you into the beautiful and amazing person that you are. On this podcast, you're going to hear stories of people from all walks of life, faiths, cultures, and backgrounds, and my hope is that you resonate with some and embrace your own story. Hey everyone, oh my goodness, I'm so glad you're back again. I say that every week, but I really truly am glad. Okay, today's conversation is with a beautiful woman named Eugenia Wedek, and our co-host is back, so I know you're going to enjoy that. Um, yeah, so this conversation, we talk about military life and what it looked like to move overseas three weeks after getting married. We also get to talk about Argentina because Eugenia is Argentinian. And so we get to talk about that cultural dynamic and what that even looked like living in an Argentinian home within the U.S. And then we get to talk about motherhood because she is a mama to two beautiful girls and about to have a third girl actually very, very soon. So I really hope that you enjoy this wonderful conversation. Last thing I want to tell you is this episode is the season one finale episode. Yes, season one finale episode. Um, We are going to go on a Christmas break, but please continue to follow us on Beautiful Collision Podcast on Instagram and you will get updated throughout the Christmas season of season two. Season two is going to be so great. We are so excited for it. It'll come out sometime in January. We'll let you know. But yes, thank you so much. Go back and listen to old episodes um, because they were all great. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. Um, Hey, everyone. I'm so excited you're listening again and you have continued to listen for season one. And today our guest is Eugenia Wittick. Hi, Eugenia. Hi, how are you? Good. (laughs) And I'm also here doing a co-host interview with Drew Burgess. So, Drew, say hey. 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 Okay, so, Drew, why don't you get us started? Yeah, so, so this episode we have Eugenia, and I am so stoked um, for this episode. Let's see. I'm trying to think. Eugenia and I met um, through Athletes in Action. Yeah, you guys were volunteering. Her and her husband, Travis, um, volunteer quite a bit with UNC AIA, and Eugenia was just one of those people that as soon as you meet her, I was like, I want to hang out with her more. Yes, and love that. She, oh. <laughs> it's a good to hang out with her. <laughs> Seriously. So, I mean, just continuing to get to know Eugenia, she's just a few years older than me. Um, she rode at Carolina, um, was a student athlete there. And then, yeah, killing it. So, um, actually, I'll just let Eugenia introduce herself just a little bit. Um, yeah, would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself and anything you'd like to share? Yeah, so um, uh, my name's Eugenia. <laughs> I currently live in Durham. Um, I've been married for six years, which sounds crazy. I feel like just got married, but I've also known him for my whole life, so like very funny feeling. Um, but um, yeah, I have two daughters. Um, Catalina is four, and Mercedes is about to be two. Oh, third daughter on the way in my belly. Mm-hmm. Yay! Um, whoop whoop, girl party up in here. <laughs> <laughs> Travis is like the best girl dad ever. So um, God knows what he's doing for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. She. We're anticipating her arrival around Thanksgiving, so that will be really fun. Oh. Um, yeah. Stoked. Stoked, stoked. Um, Travis and I met um, in L.A., so I I did my undergrad at UNC um, and came to know the Lord um, through Athletes in Action, actually. Okay. And 
to uh, the Summit Church, which is a really sweet church here in the area. Um, came to know the Lord and so moved to L.A. to do inner city uh, missions and to do AIA on the West Coast. Wow. Um, and, yeah, and Travis and I met in L.A., um, got married 15 months later. <laughs> and, um, we lived in Germany for three years. Travis was in the Air Force when we got married. What? So that was really yeah, doing the first three years of our marriage overseas and in the military. Um, and then we lived in Maryland for a year with the military. And then he got out of full active duty. Okay. Um, and did his master's at Duke, which is what brought us back to the area. Whoop, whoop. Have to go to North Carolina, but if we did, I wouldn't mind. <laughs> <laughs> and got his sweet in romancing me and bringing us back to the area. So it's been really fun to um, raise our girls here for the last couple of years yeah. and just learn Durham because I got to say, when I was at Carolina, I like never went to Durham. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. It's so cool. Um, but yeah, learning Durham together and um, yeah, doing... He finished his master's in May. I finished mine um, in this, the previous December. Yeah. Uh, my master's is in counseling. Um, and, yeah, Travis's actually birthday gift to me in 2016 was that we would get a babysitter every Tuesday night so that we could go to AIA. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so Tuesday night is our date night, and we go to AIA. Um, and... It's just been awesome, awesome to um, hang out with the students, be with the students, be loved on, love on the students, and yeah, be back at see. It's like so funny because I remember sitting at the in the AIA audience, like, wow, these people are like really into Jesus. Like, I don't know about this stuff. <laughs> and now it's like, can we please have our date night at AIA? <laughs> <laughs> That's that's so awesome. Okay, so I have like a million questions because you said a bunch of different things. But one of them, one of the things I want to ask is about living in Germany for three years. Like, what is that like? Um, new culture, just being married, trying to figure out marriage and living in a completely different place. Yeah, so, so good and so hard at the same time. Um, so before we got married, I was... Um, I lived in just an amazing community of sisters, um, Christian sisters, and um, lived a life where um, I didn't realize until I was out of it, but I was really, like, my identity was really wrapped up in what I did. Yeah. Um, and working in the inner city and serving in the inner city and pouring out and being needed and um, student-athlete ministry. It's, like, my two, like, favorite things I got to do all, all day. Right. Um, be with athletes and then be with like inner city youth. Right. Um, and so then married this like haughty Jesus lover <laughs> this, that I just like always hoped for that didn't, didn't think existed. And like we, three weeks after getting married, moved to Germany. Wow. Um, and it was like out of my community, like out of my quote unquote job. Um, away from my family um and, and then just like away from comforts right like right target <laughs> target <laughs> target is a comfort target is a comfort um <laughs> like i need confetti i don't know where to go i'm in germany like but if only there was a target <laughs> <laughs> you know just those things you don't even think about like um so it was sweet because we got to start our marriage as like a unit instead of being in like our individual busy lives and trying to merge them mm -hmm. it was like restart go this mm -hmm. is your married life um and the lord had really put on travis's heart um the verse about how when a soldier gets married he stays home for the first year and doesn't go off to battle yeah um to focus on his wife and focus on marriage um, and so that's something that he spoke over our marriage when we first got married. Like this first year, like, let's really like try not to overcommit, try not to, um, be super busy and just like focus on each other and grow together. Um, so that for me was hard because I'm used to like doing, 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 right. um, 
what I realized was really um, defining my relationship with God by what I was doing right. and not who I was in Christ. Um, so the Lord like really did a lot of work in my heart um, in that season um, because I didn't realize how wrapped up my identity was in what I did. You know, doing for the Lord instead of being in the Lord. Yeah, so hard being away from that community, but, like, sweet being, like, starting a new community. Yeah. Right? Learning to, like, let him lead in the way of, hey, we're not going to get super busy. Or, yeah, just, re- like, no one knew me by my maiden name. Like, I was Eugenia Wittick, Travis's wife, and he was Travis Wittick, Eugenia's husband. You know, so it's like we kind of started over, um, which was good for us because we were both really busy. Um and then culturally, spiritually, Germany was really interesting. Um, we were in a, like, farm town. Um, we were at a NATO base. Okay. So all the NATO countries were um, right on the border of Netherlands and Belgium. And um, we went to the on-base chapel. Um, and just so thankful for the um, just sweet family that became friends that we met there and, like, a lot of um, sweet opportunities that we got to specifically actually speak into marriage, marriages. Wow. Um, you know, lots of husbands going on deployments, lots of sex scandals that pop up every now and wow. then. Stuff that the... Um, within the military. Yeah, within the military. So stuff that, you know, the military is always trying to address and be aware of and be open to talk about and... Um, and then you're in this international culture where certain things are okay in other countries that aren't maybe in the U.S. military or whether, you know, things that particularly affected our guys and girls, men and women, you know, exposure to nudity or exposure to alcohol or exposure to atheism or you know, things like that that were maybe a little bit um, more unique to the, the international environment. Right. Um, so being Christians in that environment and um, loving on some of our friends that, you know, God's really given Travis and I a big heart for um, dating well and for um, marriage as, like, marriage being for our holiness first before our happiness. And yeah. For um, it being, like, our number one ministry, you know. Um, so we got the opportunity to walk a couple really dear friends through, like, adultery and... Um, we got the opportunity to love on um, like the high school and middle school students when going through deployments or going through, Hey, you know, a prostitution is legal one hour west of where we live. Just things that were um, just culturally um, different to maybe growing up in the U S. Yeah. But it was sweet because prostitution was legal one hour west. We got a lot of, um, sex trafficking ministry wow um while we were there and um sorry so much (laughs) yeah no it's this is all great so I mean so different and I think like people I mean like I only know people um actually I don't think I know a lot of couples that were deployed or like lived overseas in their beginning of marriage so like to hear that perspective because I can just imagine it's so different yeah, it really, it really was unique and different and, like, special way to start our marriage. And You were there three years. Yeah, three years. So we're just coming up on being in the States just yeah. as long as we were in Germany. Wow, wow. <laughs> that's great. Um, I think, so when we came back, I was kind of ready to come back because we had had our daughter, um, and she was, a, like, a year and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the shock was, like, just coming back to the known. So it was just really like, Oh, it's so much easier. Like yeah. I understand it. Cause mm. because we lived at a NATO base instead of like a U.S. military base where you like live on base and have your on base grocery store. Uh, we did most of our groceries like on the German economy. And like all like our neighbors were Greek, German, um, French, um, so like that was so cool like it's a really cool experience um but I I would say it was a cultural like relaxation back into what was familiar yeah Uh, yeah but like 
a really like the military has just been so good to us. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're so thankful for that experience. And actually, my husband is still in the military um, and does reserve duty um, a couple hours away once a week or once a month. Wow, that's so cool. Okay, so my yeah. other question, because I also know that um, I've heard from Drew that you're you're from Argentina or your parents are from Argentina. Is that correct? Yeah. So um, my parents are from Argentina. My sister and I were both born there. Um, we moved to the United States when I was three. Um, so I was three, and my sister was like eight months. Um, so I grew up in the states, but in like a like an Argentine home in the states. Yeah. Um, and we were really fortunate to actually um, go back every couple years, um, and, ha- and my grandparents would visit us. And so we grew up um, speaking Spanish, and um, yeah, knowing you know you're, we're from Argentina, and um, it's definitely part of my identity. Yeah, that's really cool. And so I was just gonna ask you real quick, and then you're just gonna ask me a question, but because I'm I'm Uganda. Well, my parents are from Uganda. I was born yeah. here, but I grew up in a Ugandan household. And so, yeah. do you, did you ever feel like, just like notice as a as a child, just differences between, you know, you and your friends because your household looks so different than maybe a lot of your American friends. Yeah. So my parents, um, so they're um, they kind of, I would say their ancestry is European. Mm-hmm. So like my grandparents on my mom's side, like came from Italy. Um, so they have, like, so the influence of our Argentine home looked very European. So in that sense, maybe to, like, my Anglo friends growing up, <laughs> of that looked similar. Yeah. But, like, um, language, I think, was probably one of the biggest differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wasn't from the South. So, like, there was, like... I live, I grew up in like, um, like, so I grew up actually in Winston-Salem, um, North Carolina, and there's just a lot of like rich history there with like, um, textile and tobacco and like all these things that were not part of like my parents' upbringing. Yeah. So I feel like they were learning kind of along with me, like, (laughs) what is the South? (laughs) What, What is? this you know and like um I looked I look white so like I looked like my friends Mm -hmm. um growing up but my 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 background was different yeah and not in and definitely not in like a it was never something that I resented I like love speaking Spanish with my parents and love that my parents my grandparents and family were in Argentina um and I, I never really noticed that I there were differences in my house unless my friends would come over. Yeah. So like a big difference was like we ate dinner at like ten thirty or eleven p.m. So did we. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and my friends all thought that was crazy. <laughs> they ate at like six, which is also probably why you like don't mind staying up so late. Yeah. No, I'm like so late. such a night yeah. out. Like oh. You want to talk on the phone at midnight? For sure. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, my, my, my parents or my dad worked till eight. So we ate dinner. We played soccer as soon as he got home. It was, it was to the backyard, to the soccer field. (laughs) And then it was dinner time. And like dinner at six, we had like cereal. (laughs) (laughs) And then like had dinner at 10. My friends used to always make fun of me because at 8, 9 o'clock, not even yeah. 8, 9 o'clock, my mom would start finishing up yeah. dinner. Yeah, same. And I loved it. And I still, like, <laughs> I've had to adjust a little bit because, like, putting my three-year-old to bed at midnight has <laughs> proven a terrible idea. So <laughs> now I'm, like, cooking at four. And my mom's like, oh, I'm still at work. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that is like so foreign to me because I mean, if 
we had dinner at eight, it would be like, what are we doing up so late having dinner? And <laughs> yeah, it was all six thirty ish or so. But that's yeah. really cool. What's like your favorite? One of your favorite parts of um, Argentinian culture? Yeah. Um, well, whenever we go to Argentina, I like love the food. Oh, yes, yeah. I like love, love, love the food. Um, and I would say, I don't know if this is a product of my family specifically or of Argentinian culture, but, um, like my family is very close. Like it's very like a communal mind, like whenever it's so cool because growing up in the States, like I don't have any family here. Mm-hmm. And then we would go back to Argentina and like literally all of a sudden I have like 700 aunts and uncles and cousins and friends and people who love my parents and people who like know me and I didn't know them and yeah like it was just so so cool um so I don't know if that's necessarily part of the culture or just part of my experience with Argentina Mm -hmm. um but like I love that um there's a big culture around meals like meals are long and they're very, um, like, you're just talking and hanging out. And um, it's not this, like, quick eat and go thing. Yeah, like, yeah. When, I remember when my aunt came to visit us and we went through a drive through and ate in the car, like, on the way to something. She was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> we, we sit down at a table and we talk. And right. We, like, just, like, ingest food. Like, this right. is, like, these are experiences and there's, oh, and growing, growing up, I hated the siesta because it was, like, a, two hours of the day where I, like, couldn't play. So I had to be quiet because, like, my parents were sleeping. But, like, as an adult, that's something that I would fully embrace. Right. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Get your siesta. Man. Um, so one of the things, too, that you mentioned um, earlier was your involvement with Athletes in Action. And yeah. through that, I know you went on a project couple times a few times called urban project LA. um just describe what that project is and then what it meant to you um how it impacted you yeah oh my word um yeah so my junior year of college or so my sophomore year of college was really was really the year that like the lord allowed me to finally be like broken in the worldly ways that I was living um and he was gracious and protecting me in that brokenness. But, like, I hit my rock bottom um, at the end of my sophomore year. So junior year, a Christian teammate of mine that had been pursuing me, um, I finally went to church with her. And then Athletes in Action came to our to a team meeting and just re- presented themselves and asked if anyone would be interested in following up. And um, I was like, me, 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 me. I, <laughs> I need God <laughs> Because I had actually, I actually grew up in the Catholic Church and grew up going to youth group and actually like accepted Christ in middle school, um, but never made it part of my like lifestyle, um, or you know didn't get into the Word, wasn't discipled, um, but like I knew that I was a sinner and I knew um, that I needed Jesus and. So kind of in that season of my life where I just was so broken and had this Christian teammate that was pursuing me, it's like, all right, I guess I need to give this a try, give this a try because everything I'm trying is uh, not not working. Right. Um, so went to Athletes in Action, started going my junior year, and just had this amazing godly woman um, just pour into my life. She pursued me and loved me. And spoke like so much truth into the lies I believed and the way I was living and just like had so much patience and grace with me. Um, her name is Janie Wenig. Um, she is actually still on AIA staff um, and is like one of the greatest gifts God's ever given me. Um, great. She is amazing. Amazing, amazing. Um, so, yeah, so I started, uh, Janie started discipling me. Um, which I didn't realize that's what was happening. I was like, oh, she's just really great, and I want to hang out with her. Yeah. <laughs> she would, you know, like, hey, when are you free this week? And I'm like, oh, yay, let's hang out. Um, so I started going to AIA, and um, that summer, so the summer after my junior year, Janie's 
summer project, her assignment was UPLA. Um, it's the Urban Project in Los Angeles with Athletes in Action. Um, and she told me about it. And funny enough, I was actually supposed to go to Argentina that summer to do a law internship with my aunt because uh, I had intended to pursue law. And um, my my DNAE, which is your national identification card for Argentina, um, had expired. So if I went to Argentina, I wouldn't be able to leave. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay, well, I need to get that fixed before I go anywhere. So I couldn't leave. I couldn't go to Argentina basically that summer. So I went to LA with her instead, really just thinking it was going to be like hang out with a bunch of athletes and do like sports clinics in the inner city. Um, cool. Fun. Um, little did I know, like, you felt like within a week of being in LA, like the Lord just destroyed my heart for the poverty of the inner city, destroyed my heart for the social justice and inequality um, in the history of LA, but also like learning about it in our country, um, exposed me to my white privilege, um, exposed me to, um, I lived in community with like godly men and women. Um, and so for the first time, like shared my testimony with godly women who like embraced me and, um, had similar experiences and like wanted to go deep like I learned about this new like deep rich community that you could have with sisters in Christ um, and like how real you could really get and someone would still love you um, saw godly men like really solid godly men that I observed for a month and like that's the first time really I thought like oh wow like that's why they say like if you're a Christian you should marry a Christian man because like they're like on a whole nother level like of wonderful um and like that's what they're telling me to hold out for oh okay it's not just okay to be the nice guy you know like there's a whole nother dimension to the christian man that is so attractive um and um the lord broke my heart for purity um purity and dating and pursuing purity in my mind and actions um because dating and relationships and men had been a huge area of sin in my life. Um, I learned about the principles, like the AIA principles and like worshiping God through my sport. And um, I was coming off of um, a whole year of of foot surgery and injuries. And I actually like was really scared about the special, which is this competition that happens a week in to um, to the project where you compete for like 18 to 20 hours straight. Like I hadn't been able to walk without pain. Um, So I had kind of come to a place with the Lord where I said, like, Father, like if you want me to um, leave my team, because like I know my, so much of my identity is wrapped up in being an athlete. Like if you call me to leave this behind, I will. But if you don't like, I, I, God, like heal me, Um, heal me because I'm like, I literally am in so much pain. Um, so from the second the special started, I stopped feeling pain in my foot. Wow. I've not felt pain in that area of my foot since. Um, so like the Lord, like literally like healed my foot, um, at urban project and like brought me back to like, just so on fire for him and on my team, knowing that like he wanted me there um, and was purposely placing me in a place of, um, of, influence um mm-hmm. on my team and um so just so much so within a week of urban project i um approached mike sylvester him and his wife d as well as the nathaniels um they are the staff couple that kind of runs urban project um along with lynn shank shout out to lynn <laughs> <laughs> and uh i told him like i feel like the lord is leading me back to la i feel like the lord is calling me back here to work here full time and um, how do I do that? So, and this is um, for after you graduate. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, in a year when I graduate, I feel like the Lord is calling me to move okay. here. Um, and to be a part of what he's doing in the inner city. And, um, so after a huge, yeah. So urban project really, like I could go on. Yeah. Um, just affect me in so many ways. Um, but yeah, really changed the trajectory of my life because mm-hmm. I was headed to um, law school. I was headed to 
probably marry a man that didn't know the Lord as long as he was a nice person. Um, I was in a whole heap of sexual sin. Um, I did, you know, I had a whole lot of stuff in the darkness that came out with godly sisters. And um, so, yeah, shout out to AIA Projects. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, save my life. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. So good. Yeah. Um, you mentioned, okay, so something you mentioned, I'm just going to tap on like very, very briefly, but, um, which, but I thought was just so profound because, you know, we have talked about your Argentinian culture and all that kind of stuff. And then, but then also at the same time, you know, you said earlier, because you look white, so you've also seen white privilege in your life. And I think that's so interesting. I think it just, um, really hits the nail of, how race a lot of times is is about color you know and and very much yeah um because you were latina like fully you know um actually but because what people see you to be and may not assume that the first time they see you um you're probably treated a different way but maybe also if you I don't know, spoke Spanish immediately or whatever, you know, then it would also be a different interaction. So I thought that was just really, really interesting that you said that, um, knowing all your cultural dynamics. (laughs) Yeah, actually growing up, I remember, um, so a couple like instances that really stick out in my mind. Um, I, because I didn't look Hispanic, people would talk unedited about maybe the Hispanic culture or the Hispanic people in our community. Um, so I actually grew up thinking that it was like bad to be Hispanic because of the negative things that I heard. And I remember taking the end of grade testing at some point in elementary school, um, probably like third grade and, um, like Hispanic was pre-bubbled. And I remember like crying to my mom that I was going to fail the test no matter how I did, because I had Hispanic pre-bubbled. And I had gotten this, like, impression that being Hispanic was bad. And therefore, like, when they graded my test, they were going to see that I was Hispanic and, like, I was going to get a bad grade. Um, And so, like, that's something that really stuck out in my mind. And then when I would, people would say, like, what, where are you from or what are you? I would, when I would say that I was Hispanic, they'd be like, oh, like, so many times I heard, but you're not real Hispanic. I was like, oh, okay. But, like, I wasn't born in this country. I wasn't a U.S. citizen until, like, a couple years ago. Like, I'm 30. So, like, I became a U.S. citizen when I was, like, 20. Like, I, like, English was my second language. I, the only difference between what you would maybe categorize as real Hispanic and me is how I look is really what it came down to. Wow. Um, So, I did. I experienced, I, I lived... Like, I had white privilege growing up because people thought that I was maybe an exception to their stereotype of what Hispanic would be. Wow. Um, yeah. Yeah, I definitely... Um, I, I thought that I was Hispanic, but people would tell me that I wasn't. So it wasn't actually until college where I took this really sweet growing up Latina class and started really exploring like what my experience really was like what are like people would say oh your name is different like where are you from or like oh you're really tan in the summer like (laughs) are you do you have like something in you (laughs) (laughs) oh your last name sounds italian like my middle name was del bono um or like oh wow you guys all play soccer a lot definitely definitely grew up with, yeah uh, with i just thought privilege. that was so interesting when you said yeah. that so i just wanted you to go into it a little bit totally um, <laughs> okay so switching gears just a little bit of course okay you're a mom obviously i am <laughs> <laughs> i'm a mom and a two and another on the way yes Yay. beautiful and i did Thank do a little stalking <laughs> on your instagram so i did see you're gonna have another girl and drew recorded yeah. that <laughs> 
that video you probably saw Drew took it. So Woo! Shout, out. <laughs> shout out to Drew, such a good friend, Drew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what was and actually did you say your one your first daughter was born in Germany? Yes. Oh yeah, what? she was born in Germany. That's so cool. That is yeah. so cool. Okay. Um, but I was gonna ask you, so what are some of I mean your and your girls are pretty young, but just like transition when you like you know, just you and Travis and then becoming a mama. What were some of those biggest transitions and what are some things you've learned just in your few years of motherhood that you love or the hard things, anything? Yeah. Oh, great question. Um, I would say the biggest um, transformation that the Lord has done in my life um, and kind of goes back to the similar transformation he did when we, when Travis and I were married and first moved to Germany is that my purpose is not in um, his back up. His love for me is not contingent on what I do, but who I am in him. Specifically, when I define, when I say what I do, not not what the Lord calls me to do, but what I think I should be doing. Um, So meaning, so when we had our our first daughter um, and now having our two girls, I felt like my capacity for ministry and quote unquote doing God's work um, became so limited. It's like, I can't go like serve with this emergency relief fund. Like I can't go like, I, I just saw this list of all these things I couldn't do because I had to be home for a nap or because I can't go help fix a roof with a toddler in an ergo. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> we're like, how do I serve, like, I, I, I can't go do, like, sex trafficking ministry at one in the morning, like, my daughter's gonna wake up in one hour to eat, like, (laughs) how do I, um, how do I do ministry, and quote, unquote, what I thought God wanted me to do as a mom, and by his grace, he put some amazing moms in my life, when we lived in Germany, moms who, um, really understood their call in motherhood so like god first husband second kids third yeah other ministry fourth yeah and like because i like had so much of my identity in what i did at number four like god's work that at first i like struggled sometimes to see my kids as like oh i adore them and love them but at the same time like i can't do god's work as a mom and, like, how do I get to AIA? Like, my, my toddler is going to lose it if I try to drive, like, to campus. They're going to run all over the pit in Carolina. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's no way I can sit and have, like, a deep conversation for an hour intentionally with a girl on campus. So, like, I'm lost. Um, and so these amazing women just spoke um, so much truth over my life and over my role as a mom and, like, just seeing, like, the biggest biggest impact like one of the biggest impacts that I can have um in the kingdom is like loving and serving my husband well um but also like discipling my children and like one of the best ways that God has pruned and grown me is in like the selflessness of motherhood like I like pour it all out for them every day and like um everything from like yeah, I wanted to sleep longer to sure. You can have that cookie that I really wanted. It's all yours. <laughs> um, so like once again, like God exposing another bit of his heart for me, but also like putting, he switched my, well, how I saw my purpose, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, being a woman who thought like I would never stay home with my kids um, I like need to go out and change the world and like win the world for Christ. He's like changed my heart to like I gave you these adorable babies. Like I'm gonna teach you patience through them. I'm gonna teach you selflessness through them. Like I'm gonna teach you how to share the gospel with like really sweet little questions. Like my daughter the other day, she's like, "Mommy, I want God to get out of my heart," and I was like oh, okay, baby, well, why? She's like, because I want to see him. And if he's in my heart, I can't see 
how to like, okay, let's let's process this. Okay. And then, <laughs> so things like that, or like, why did he have to go on the cross? Like, why is there a concert? Like, what is sin? Like all these like beautiful questions that my older daughter is starting to ask. And yeah. Um, so that was a long winded answer to basically like the biggest way that I've changed in motherhood is like really seeing the incredible responsibility and like ministry that God has trusted me with, with these little ones and like being so thankful that I can stay home and that I feel like I'm a better mom when I stay home. Other moms are better moms when they're able to go to work. No, no opinion either way on that one. I get to disciple them and pour into them and like help mold them. And when they see someone that looks different from them, have that conversation on the spot when something makes them sad or happy or confused, like that conversation on the spot, like, um, incorporating, like making sure that they know like who created them and what they were created for. And, um, yeah, I would say that's been my, my biggest joy as a mom is coming to that understanding of like what a huge responsibility and gift it is to be entrusted with them. Yeah. Wow. What thankful for because I struggled a lot my first couple of years with like, how do I serve God in this season? You know? Yeah. Oh, that was good. I love how you talked about like with how you see your daughters is first and foremost, like getting to disciple them. Yeah. And, like you are going to have, more influence on them than anyone else and yeah just really sweet to to pour yourself out and how yeah. that's like what you want to do most and even one of the things that you were talking about in like pointing out when other people look different than them yeah like talking about that yeah um, and even going off of that I know that racial unity is something that you have such a heart and passion for mm-hmm. um and so how does that kind of how has that really impacted how you live how you talk to your girls Uh um, raise your girls um, just in your day-to-day life in general yeah um something that we're actually currently walking through my husband and I um is so now that he's done with his master's and we know that we're going to be in Durham for a while Mm -hmm. uh, at least in North Carolina for a while now it's time to you know kind of plant and we want to be um again influenced from Urban Project and our mentors um Mike and Dee, Sylvester, um, but be intentional about raising our daughters in a community where there is racial, religious, socioeconomic um, difference, not raising them in a place where everyone looks like them, thinks like them, talks like them, believes like them. Um, so we, and we want to be intentional to be in a community where there is, um, well, I guess there's hurt in every community, but specifically like racial socioeconomic um hurt and like the best way to um serve that community is to be part of that community um because if my daughter is going to school with kids that are on free or reduced lunch if my daughter is actually in the racial minority at her school um and then at the same time having our like mental processes of like we both really value education. So we don't want her going to a failing school. Like we, I like to go out and run and we like to play outside. So we want to live in safe neighborhood, a safe neighborhood, you know, but, but what is safe and like, what is a good education and what is, um, how can we best like teach her God's heart for the nations? And, um, yeah, so that's something that they're processing right now is we could move to the town that has the 10 out of 10 schools and like the perfectly manicured, neighborhood etc or we could um be in a public school where it's not the top rated but it like has incredible like incredible leadership in the school and um where our daughter would be um she might be in the racial minority or um, where there are refugees at the school where the school has a heart for refugees um yeah so it's actually been really interesting the community that the current neighborhood that we live in in durham um we've been told often that um, families with school-aged kids, they leave Durham. It's a great place to live, but it's not a great place to go to school. So they leave and they go to Wake County, Raleigh, or they go to Chapel Hill. 
Um, Chapel Hill is like the best school district in the state, I, I think. Yeah. Um, so, you know, kind of hearing that like, oh, you're not doing the best thing for your kid by going to a Durham public school, but um, it's something that we feel strongly about um, and it's not it's not been a blind choice you know we've had meetings with the school counselors and the principals and people from our church who are involved in what um, the school that we're interested in is doing um, so that's I think probably one of the biggest ways that like our heart for um, racial reconciliation has played out in um, being intentional about looking for a neighborhood that is diverse and looking for a school that is diverse um, for our girls. Yeah, I, and I love that. I love that. I don't think, I think it's just interesting. Um, I think it all comes down to the way you define best, like what is best, you know, for your family. And I think yeah. depending on what your values are that or like value and belief system is, that looks very different. Um, yeah. And so I, I, I love that. And yours obviously just seems very, people and relational and and purposeful yeah it really comes down to what your value system is and what's best and best is defined in so many different ways and so mm-hmm. you're really just trusting what whatever's on your heart so I love that <laughs> yeah this really sweet book by um, Dr. Job Perkins is called Justice for All and he talks a lot about how Christ loved us he relocated to us he reconciled with us and then he redistributed himself to us through the Holy Spirit. Ooh, good. Mm. That's like a really sweet like model of like how we can do ministry, specifically in the inner city, like relocating to the problem. So like if you don't live in the problem, it's not your problem. Um, and then like redistribution, like sure I can send books to that one out of 10 school or like, that school can be in our community and therefore like the kids that go to that school are my neighbors. And so now I'm going to care a lot more. Yeah. Um, and that, again, that's from urban project. <laughs> um, but yeah, really sweet, um, ministry model of how, um, Christ loved us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you were so, you're so great. Right. <laughs> Um, okay, so we have two questions that we ask every guest, okay? Yeah. And so we're going to ask you now. I will ask the first one. Drew will ask the second one. The first question is, if you could go to lunch with anybody, and this, I mean, it could be, like, a super famous person that you've always wanted to go to lunch with, or it could be someone that you always see at the neighborhood grocery store <laughs> that you don't, I don't yeah. know. Um, dead or alive, anyone. Who would it be and Why? Um, so I don't know if this is allowed, <laughs> but I would love to go to a lunch with the future versions of my daughters. Um, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm glad y'all gave me a second to prep for that question because I was like, oh gosh, who would I go to lunch with? Yeah. I would love to know and see what kind of women my daughters grow up to be. Mm-hmm. and um like know like how as parents like we like what stuck and what didn't <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do I need to do better <laughs> um but also like just who did they become um what did they what are their likes what are their passions yeah what are the things that we see in them now and like how did that like develop or emerge or flourish or change yeah um yeah, I would love to see the women that they become. That, that would be, that would be like the best lunch ever. That would be so fun. That's oh awesome, God. and I'm sure <laughs> with a mom like you, they're gonna be just fine. Oh, hundred <laughs> percent. I sure hope so. And a dad like my husband is he, he ups our parent, <laughs> our parent score <laughs> big time. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, <laughs> so cool. Um, so our second question and our last question for you yeah is um one thing that we are all about is encouragement and I think it's so good and so important and everyone can use some encouragement so if you just had to pick one person to encourage who would it be just like if they're sitting right here with us who would it be and what would you say to them (laughs) 
<laughs> so I hope this isn't like corny, but like the person that I like respect the most in the world um, is my husband. And, and so if he was sitting here, I would just encourage him in his role as a husband and as a dad that like quite literally like I live with him I see his flaws like I we 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 go through it all together and I still think he's like the best person in the whole world um so I would encourage him that I'm just so proud of him um in the way that he leads and loves our daughters um that he is just so um steadfast Mm -hmm. and like just loves the lord um he has this incredible heart to make to make the lord known Mm -hmm. um so he still pursues um um (laughs) when you tell people about jesus (laughs) 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 like just sharing 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 the gospel with people and like pursues co-workers and pursues the guy at Subway pursues the Uber driver. Like he just has this incredible heart for sharing the gospel. And, um, and he is just a great husband. He makes me feel treasured and safe and provided for. And, um, as a woman who thought that the word submission was like, never going to happen. Like, I'm sorry. You want me to do what? (laughs) Um, he, and most occasions <laughs> makes it very easy and it's when it's not easy it's not because of him um he i love, love being led by him mm-hmm. and um doing life with him and you know one day our girls are gonna leave the house and pursue their own passions and dreams in their lives and we're gonna it's gonna be just the two of us again and like that's gonna be awesome yeah like i'm excited for that season with him yeah um, and he just works so hard to, you know, give us th- this life that we have where I can stay home with the girls. And um, we miss him so much when he's not here. Um, so, yeah, I would just encourage my husband because I probably he, he hears a lot of lists and things that need to get done. And probably not as many like I'm just so impressed by you and I respect you so much and I love you so much. So I, I would I would encourage my husband. Oh, so sweet. <laughs> yeah, um, he's pretty great. Wow. Well, he has to listen to, you got to tell him to listen to this whole episode. <laughs> I will. I'll be like, see? I love you. <laughs> oh, that's so great. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Yeah, Thank you yeah. guys so much.